welcome. My name is Juanita Hedney. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, can you keep a secret? Keep a, keep a secret. Knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with the view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. So we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk by revisiting the case of Matthew Folder and Graham Matthew. Now, this is a case with regards to hurt to the core and hurt core. To be specific, this is a case that was renowned because of its link with Daisy's destruction. Now, I'll start by talking about Daisy's destruction. This video was a myth in the underground world. And when I talk about the underground world, I'm speaking about the dark web. Now, from my research, there seems to be three forms of dark web. Dark, darker, and darkest. Yeah, I'm serious. When I was doing my research, this is what I came across. The dark web is typically drug dealing and selling people's personal information. The darker web hitmen advertising services and the darkest web includes depraved acts against children by adults and forums for pedophiles to talk about the sexual activity that they are engaging in or engaging with children or having children engage with one another. Peter Scully is an Australian businessman who stole billions of dollars in business investments, leaves his wife and two children absconded from his, his home in Australia, travels to the Philippines where he sets up the No Limits Fund Company. Himself and his girlfriend Lysol created Daisy's Destruction. Now, Daisy's Destruction is a video with a girl called Daisy. Now, of course, that's not her real name, but that's the name that he used for this video. In this video, Scully and his girlfriend sexually abused Daisy and they tortured her to the point that those who watched this video believe that she was dead. Her ordeal was truly horrendous. She was 18 months of age at the time, fortunately rescued, and she's now receiving support, therapy and counseling and is on a journey of healing. I've met a number of people who have seen Daisy's destruction because of the nature of the work that they do in fighting pornography, fighting OSEC, online sexual exploitation of children. I would not want to watch it. I have not watched it. 
And I don't believe because of the work that I do that I would be given that opportunity if I can use such a word. There is an author, her name is Eileen Ormersby, if I've pronounced that correctly, and she has seen the video, I believe, don't quote me on that. She definitely knows about the video and she's done a lot of research into cases such as Daisy's Destruction, Dr. Matthew Graham and Graham Folder. She has done her research, sorry, Dr. Matthew Folder and Graham Matthew. She's done her research and she has received detailed information on what some of the children have been subjected to at the hands of various pedophiles. Now, Scully's video was $10,000 to pay to view it. However, Matthew Graham created a website called Hurt to the Core that was in existence for two years. This website that he created was not a money-making website. He wanted to provide individuals with anonymity. He wanted to provide a platform of file sharing. This is where pedophiles like himself were able to share videos with others. The anonymity was created in such a way that it meant it was very difficult for police to infiltrate. Hurt to the Core was based in Melbourne, Australia. And in 2013, it was known as one of the most or the most notorious Hurt Core site. So what exactly is Hurt Core? It is described by Eileen Ormsby, an author who writes books on topics such as this. She defines it as a place where it's a fetish for people who get aroused by the infliction of pain or even torture on another person who's not a willing participant. So her core is imagery which is created and viewed by people who have a fetish for seeing others who are not consenting to the infliction of pain and torture. It can also be described as an extreme form of pornography focusing on the non-simulated hardcore affliction of pain, torture and humiliation, mainly on children, including toddlers. Now, when doing my research on Dr. Matthew Folder and Graham, Matthew Graham, <laughs> I get the names mixed up because they both have Graham in their names. In doing the research and reading up on them, there were moments when I sat and I thought to myself, do I really want to pursue a career in fighting OSEC, online sexual exploitation of children? Is that really what I want to do? And of course, I'm not willing to walk away from what I believe is a God-given calling on my life. However, I have not read or heard the things Eileen Ormsby has. She wrote about this in an article that was in one of the local UK newspapers. And she said, I can't give more details. It's not suitable for a family newspaper. And she talked about the effect it had on her, that it's still in her memory. And in fact, I must retract what I said earlier. She has not seen Daisy's destruction she has been told in graphic detail by police about the various videos that they've come into contact with and the details enough. I, if given an opportunity, would not want to watch Daisy's Destruction or any other such video because you cannot remove those images from your mind. But there are people like Dr. Matthew Folder and Graham Matthew who are interested... <laughs> 
who have a desire of a sexual nature, who are sexually aroused. It's, it's very difficult for me to say that because we're talking about not just child pornography, but the most depraved child pornography that is known to man. In fact, in reading these articles, some of the pornography that is made, it is even despised. And it is even of such a degree that there are pedophiles who are disgusted by it. Can you imagine that? There are pedophiles disgusted by other pedophiles? Yeah. For those of us on the outside who do not have a sexual tendency towards children, we're not going to understand that. Really? There are some pedophiles who are disgusted by others? Yeah, that's the reality. Just as you have the dark web, the darker web, and the darkest web, you have different levels of pedophilia. But the reality is people like Dr. Falder, Dr. Matthew Falder, and individuals like Matthew Graham, what we have to understand is that even if they are watching pornography, even if they are viewing pornography from the luxury and comfort of their home, that is not as serious a crime as the creation of pornography. So, of course, when they are incarcerated, when they are given a sentence, when justice is done, the sentence, theoretically, would not be as long, theoretically, as someone who has committed those acts, okay? However, what we need to understand when it comes to the whole issue of sentencing is that for Matthew Graham and Dr. Folder, for the two of them to be able to view pornography in the comfort of their home, the pornography had to be created. It's about supply and demand. If there are no men and women watching child pornography on the darkest web, there would be no need to create pornography. Does that mean children would no longer be abused? Of course not. However, it means that there'll be less of a demand for the creation. And with Dr. Matthew Forder specifically, he would signature the pornography that he made. Now, the reason I want to revisit this case is because I want us to look briefly at the whole topic of vulnerability. And if you've listened to a previous podcast I have called What is Your Currency? I use the term currency instead of the term vulnerability. Now, when I discussed the whole What is Your Currency? with a few people, two of them made reference that you will spend a lot of time explaining currency and taking away the focus of your message. Now, I am going to say I'm biased because what is your currency is something I have invented. However, when we think about the word vulnerability and a person being vulnerable, we can make a statement of fact that people have vulnerabilities and vulnerabilities change from person A, person B, person C. In other words, different people have different vulnerabilities. Now, if we use the word currency, we can say in different countries, there are different currencies. I think that's pretty simple. Different people have different vulnerabilities and different countries have different currencies. The question is, what is your currency or what is your vulnerability? When we think about love languages, if we focus on love languages for a moment, your love language can help you to identify what your vulnerability is. If your love language, for example, is time, my love language is time, 
then what would be the vulnerabilities? If your love language is time, what would be the vulnerability? What would be your currency? If you are lonely, the vulnerability is your loneliness because that loneliness means if somebody comes into your life and is able to meet your vulnerability, meet your currency, which is loneliness, by providing you with time, that person can groom you and eventually take advantage of you. Grooming is what I would define as preparation, preparing somebody. So as I said, love language is time, vulnerability is loneliness. And if we take that one step further, when a person is vulnerable, that person may place themselves in situations that places them at risk. If loneliness is your vulnerability, that's your currency, and your love language is time, you may exhibit that loneliness. You may express that loneliness through social media. It doesn't have to be complicated. You go online and you write on Facebook, oh, life sucks. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I hate my mom. Oh, I hate my dad. Oh, I have no friends. When you put your personal life out there for all and sundry to read, you're making yourself vulnerable to people who sit on the internet trailing through and looking for individuals that are having a rough time, that are feeling slightly suicidal, that have a need, and that need has been exposed through what is being posted, and that person has the capacity, the ability, the patience to meet that need. Now, with the two men I keep making reference to, Dr. Matthew Folder and Matthew Graham, Dr. Matthew Fulder was a university graduate from Cambridge, a scientist researching geophysics, 29 years old, and he grew up in a well-off part of Cheshire, a place in England. He had a long-term girlfriend. So if you think about what I've described, I've described an individual who is well-educated, who's in a great university, comes from a great family background dynamic, even if things were not great, he didn't struggle, he didn't want for anything. He grew up in a nice area, he was financially provided for, he was supported academically in the sense of whether that is private tuition, whether that is that his parents supported him when he came home with his homework, or whether it was that the support was in the school he went to, Let's assume it was a private school. He was able to aspire to graduating from Cambridge with a PhD. He's a doctor. He's in a relationship with a female. He's in a long-term relationship, and he's 29. This individual was convicted at Birmingham Crown Court, receiving 32 years. He committed up to 48 Against 48 victims, he committed up to 137 offenses against up to 48 victims. So 48 victims, 137 offenses. And he would signature his crimes. And I use the term signature because I'm a huge CSI fan. And when a person commits a crime, such as a murder or rape, they leave things on the body. They signature the crime. 
They may leave a string, a rope, they may leave some letters, some markings, some words on the wall written in blood. And in every crime scene, that would be there. So we know that com crime is committed by X because he signatured it. Now, with Dr. Matthew Folder, how he would signature his crimes is he would get the individuals to hold up posters or signages. So that way he was authenticating that it was his content, his material. So one of the girls, her name was Victim 5, to keep anonymity and to protect her. She was 15 years old at the time, and that was back in 2013. Now, in the UK, we have a website called Gumtree. In the US, there's Backpage and Craigslist. Well, formerly Backpage, but we have Craigslist. Craigslist, for those who don't know, is a website where individuals can search for a place to rent, can search for a job. I can tell you, I have been on Craigslist many a time, and I have even found places to rent through Craigslist. I guess I would say it's a dodgy website. In other words, although that there are legitimate people offering legitimate services, there is a lot of services on there that are not as legitimized, which is why we had a court case with Backpage, because Backpage was a means for human trafficking, it was a means for escorting. And so Craigslist, similar to Backpage, has a place where they advertise adult services, which is where you may find escorts or victims of human trafficking. It doesn't say human trafficking victims. It offers women up for sex, sexual services. Now, this girl is on Gumtree. Gumtree, like Craigslist and formerly Backpage, also have a place where a person can purchase a woman for sex. However, with Dr. Folder, he didn't want to pick up a woman. He wanted a 15-year-old girl. And so this 15-year-old is innocently on Gumtree. She wants to buy a pet dog. And she receives an email from an individual called Liz. Now, Liz is Dr. Folder. Liz is not a child. Liz is not a teenager. Liz is not a female. She is an adult male. Now, Liz claims to be an artist and promises to buy the dog of the 15-year-old's choice in exchange for a topless selfie she will use as inspiration for a charcoal drawing. The 15-year-old finds a dog for £275. Liz offers to buy the dog and says, absolutely no one besides myself is going to see the picture. When victim five sends the picture, Liz turns nasty. It all goes downhill where she is threatened if she doesn't send more pictures, then those photographs are going to be disseminated out to the public. So what was the 15-year-old's currency? What was her vulnerability? Well, victim five told Liz, a.k.a. Liz, Dr. Folder, she was in foster care, she was being bullied by other girls at school, and she had a young disabled brother who meant the world to her. By her putting herself out there, she was telling Liz, a.k.a. Dr. Folder, that she's in foster care. She's telling Liz that she doesn't have familial support. We don't know the ins and outs of why she's in foster care, but she doesn't have familial support. There may be feelings of rejection and abandonment that she has. She's being bullied at school. That's isolation, loneliness. She has a disabled brother that she would do anything for. Again, vulnerability. When you say, I will do anything for, Liz, aka Dr. Folder, can store in his memory bank, well, wait a second, 
I can blackmail her. I can sexploit her and say, Victim 5, if you do not do what I say, your brother will be taken away. This will happen. That will happen. And in fact, Liz, a.k.a. Dr. Folder, he says, I will do everything I can to make your life awful. I will disseminate those pictures to those bullies, to the people in your street, to the people in your school. I will inform social services and your brother will be taken away. So, to prevent these things from happening, victim five would pose in degraded naked photographs with signages, I am a slut. Signages, I look after my disabled brother and I'm now being forced to strip. And in fact, he, that's Dr. Father, had even posted up on a forum, he'd asked for advice on what things he should get this 15-year-old to do who he's blackmailing. Now, Dr. Folder was convicted and given 32 years. And Judge Philip Parker QC described Folder's crimes as a tale of ever-increasing depravity. He also goes on to say, you wanted to assume total control over your victims. Your behavior was cunning, persistent, manipulative, and cruel. But I believe we could use those terms for an individual who grooms, exploits, and traffics an individual, whether male or female. Their behavior will be cunning. Their behavior will be persistent. It will be manipulative and cruel. Now, we know that Dr. Folder was creating hurt, poor porn. And in fact, his identities online were triple six devil, evil mind, and in the garden. And he even had a thread titled a hundred things we want to see at least once. And on that thread, which he may have created or another pedophile created, he suggested a young girl being used as a dartboard, a video of a child's bones being slowly and deliberately broken and abuse of a paralyzed child. He used encrypted email addresses and he would blackmail individuals from teenage until their thirties. Now we who are listening in may sit and judge victim five, the 15 year old, judge these individuals assuming that they're female in their thirties, but we're not in their position. We cannot say whether we will do the same thing or not. I myself can hold up my hand and say, even if somebody was trying to groom me or was successfully grooming me, I personally would never make pornography of myself, of another, of a child. I wouldn't do that. Even if I was in a marital relationship and my spouse asked me to create pornography with him, I wouldn't do it because I understand how that pornography can be leaked can get into the wrong hands, how that pornography could be used to groom a child who knows me. God forbid that that husband was in fact a pedophile. I create pornography with that husband. He could use that pornography to groom a family friend. He could use that pornography to groom a family member of mine and show them, look what me and Juanita did. We can do it too. 
And so for those reasons, I wouldn't create it. In addition, as a Christian, I wouldn't be creating pornography. And then in addition, because I understand and I believe, according to the Bible, that the body is a temple, there is no way that I am going to place myself in degrading positions or not as degrading. I wouldn't make semi-nude or nude photos. I simply wouldn't do that because of my Christian faith. And I just have no desire to do that. Even if I was married, no desire, single, no desire, that's just me. However, we cannot speak for other people. When a person has been blackmailed, your disabled brother is going to end up in social services, is going to end up being separated from you in a home, and you will do anything for your brother. That is difficult. For me personally, because of the type of individual I am, I can never understand what that's like. Because for me, I'm the kind of person who, if I know you're doing something wrong, I will shop it to the police. I'm the kind of person who, if I'm threatened, if you don't do this, your disabled brother will end up in a home. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because although I do not want him to go in a home, I'm not going to allow myself to be manipulated, to be blackmailed, to protect my brother. That doesn't mean I don't love my brother. Absolutely not. But I'm not willing to do that. And I want to add to that because I love programs like CSI, because I watch so many murder dramas, murder mysteries, true crime, I understand a lot about the police. In fact, I studied a year of police studies. Therefore, I know that the police have the power to protect. I understand a little bit about social work, a little bit about foster care. And so because I have that knowledge, I know that Dr. Fulder, a.k.a. Liz, can't just complain, report me, and then my brother ends up in a home I understand the law. I understand how these things work. But when you're 15 years of age and you don't understand, it's a whole different story. We need to not judge, number one. But number two, we need to make sure we do not put ourselves in positions where our vulnerability stroke currency makes us do things we would not normally do, puts us in a position where we end up being stuck and tightly tightly positioned where one thing leads to another there's that domino effect a snowball effect where things will spiral out of control to the point where you do things you would not normally do and because of shame embarrassment and fear you're in a position where you unfortunately unwillingly allow yourself to continue to be exploited to continue to be abused Yes, it's remote. Yes, it's online. But once that one photo has been sent, that's it. You are now putty in the palm of Liz, a.k.a. Dr. Ford's hands. So we, as parents and caregivers, need to have conversations with our children. Because unfortunately, sexting, which is sending sexual photographs via text, that's a big thing. Even in Teen Vogue, they talk about how to sext safely, how to send nude photographs safely. Whether you're Christian, atheist, regardless of what you believe or don't, children are sending naked photos amongst one another. Children are creating child porn. Children are being blackmailed into creating child porn. Children are believing that unless they send that semi-nude nude photograph, that boy or girl will not like them, will not be in a relationship with them. Children are naive. They need parents to be responsible to have these conversations. 
because once one photo has been created, sent, disseminated, that is it. So let's stop judging. Let's open our eyes, become more astute to what is going on around us. Knowledge is power. We need knowledge to protect and safeguard ourselves and safeguard others so that our vulnerability, our currency, is not exploited by the lizards, aka Dr. Folders, in the world. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education, and when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Talk Talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. I feel lonely deep inside.